evening. Hope all of you are doing well. Um, glad to see you guys in person yet again. Uh, I just wanted to give a lay of the land for the next couple of days because these blot are a little funny sized. Um, here's how it's going to work. Today we're going to learn one blot. Nun Gimel is a very large blot, as you can see. On Shabbos, we're also going to learn one blot, uh, which means we're going to be a blot behind. But we're going to learn Nun Hey and Nun Vav on Sunday night. But if you look at Nun Vav and Aleph, it's only two lines. So we'll be able to make up some lost ground there. Uh, basically, that's how it's going to work out. This coming Thursday, in one week, I will not be here for Dafyomi, and I will not be available to do it live. I'll pre-record and post. I've already worked out how the blot will work out. It'll be a, it'll be a little bit of a funny layout, just like this coming days, because the blot are just a funny size. Graduation. Next Thursday? Oh, graduation. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. All right, we'll do what we can. I don't have any graduations to, but either way, I'm going to be on an airplane from Las Vegas, Mir Tashem. So oh, they have the baby. They had the baby here. <laughs> okay, we're on the top line of Nun Gimel Amad Aleph, and we are continuing sugyas in regards to the Beis Hamikdash and the Ktoros. As we learned about yesterday, the Ktoros was brought by the Kohen Gadol. He would walk um, through the southern side of the first curtain and walk all the way up to the northern side of the second curtain of the inner curtain and then go down in between the Badim. And we said that he'd put it right there and do the Ktoros. So now let's learn some ancillary dinim. Let's get started. Tanu Rabbanon. The rabbis taught us in a brisa. The pasuk reads, So what does that mean? What do we learn from here? Says the Gemara. And remember the history here. This is a brisa, right? This is in the times of the Tanaim. What were they telling us? That the Kohen Gadol should know that he should not put the Torah on top of the gachel, on, on top of the gachelis, on top of the cold outside of the heichal, the yachnis, and then go in. Why? Because that's what the tzdukim did. The tzdukim misunderstood the Pasuk. We saw this Gemara already once in Masech Hesuma. Third line, They said the opposite. They said that Yudafka should be adding the Torah to the gachalos on, uh, while you're standing outside the heichal, and then go in. My darush, what Pasuk did they, did they read? Says the Pasuk, uh, what was the Pasuk that they misread, I should say? So the Gemara answers, Ki because it should be in a cloud when I see the kaporas. Namely, it should be a cloud before I walk in. That's how they learn Pshat in the Pasuk. We're six lines down. So in the Brisa, the Chachamim retort back to the Tzdukim who learned that Pasuk incorrectly. Hang on one second. You're making a drush on the Pasuk one way. We already had a Pasuk that explicitly spoke about this. We already had a Pasuk that speaks about this. So what are you talking about? The drush of If what the Chachamim are telling us is that the Pasuk of teaches us that the Torahs can only be put on the gachalos, on the coals, once they're in the heichal. So then what does the Pasuk mean? Ki non kapores? Answers the Gemara. Ma'ale ashan is an herb. It's a special type of leaf that generated a very targeted type of smoke. It made the smoke go straight up in a stack form in the base of Mikdash. And we're going to be spending the next many lines discussing the ma'ale ashan. Uminayin shenosin ba ma'ale ashan. How do you know that you're supposed to put Ma'ale Ashan on in the first place? Because the Pasuk reads, Because the Torah is supposed to generate a cloud that fills up the entire Heichal. In fact, 
that's the halachic parameter for when the Kohen Gadol can leave the Kodesh HaKodoshim. When the Kodesh HaKodoshim becomes filled with smoke, then he can leave. So we need the Ma'ala Ashan for that. If you would not, were to not have put on the Ma'ala Ashan, or or again, one of the two, if you're missing the Ma'ala Ashan, or if you're missing one of the key ingredients of the Torah, so the halacha is you'd be chayv misa. The Kohen Gadol would be chayv misa. Says the Gemara, this Isra of Chiyuv Misa, you have a different problem. The tape of to come at be a Rekonis. You have a different problem. The Bia Rekonis, you're entering into the Hechal when you're not allowed to. The halacha is that the Kohen Gadol is only allowed to enter into the Ketoris under specific circumstances. He must make sure that he has the Ketoris with all of its appropriate ingredients. And to enter into the Kodesh HaKodashim without those specific ingredients, you'd be Chayv Misa. So therefore, says the Gemara, what are you... What are you talking about, your Chayv Misa, for forgetting one of the Simanim on the Haktara? Forget that. The Bia is also a problem. You're not allowed to enter into the room. Summer of Sheshes, we need to be very clear here. There are two different major halachic issues going on right now. Number one, performing the Haktara without all the ingredients is an Isra Daraisa. Number two, simply entering into the Kodesh HaKodashim without all of the ingredients is a separate Isser Daraisa, two Isser. What are we talking about here in this case when we say all of these Psukim with the two Isser, one is Behaktara, where you do the Haktara without the right ingredients, and one is the Bia Rekhanis, going into the Kodesh HaKodashim without the right ingredients. So one is the Haktara, one is the Bia Rekhanis. Says the Gemara, Kigon, we're about 12 lines down. Kigon, Shishagag, he did not, he wasn't aware when he walked in, the Bia, entering into the room. He wasn't aware that he was missing one of the ingredients. However, the Hazid Behaktara, that's why he's Chayv Misa. He wasn't Chayv Misa on the entering into the room because when he entered into the room, he did so, Bitznai, that he thought it was all good, everything's wonderful, great. So then he walked in thinking that he had all the right materials. He was wrong, but that's the Shogig. You're not going to be Chayv Misa on the Shogig. You're going to be Chayv Misa on, on the actual Haktara because you're missing one of the ingredients. Oh, so Ravashi said, that was one answer that he says. Ravashi gives another answer. We're about 14, 15 lines down on Nun Gimel Ravashi Omar, what Isser are you talking about when you walk into the Kodesh HaKodashim? Afilu tema hezid bizu bizu. He would say, we can even have a case where you're Chayv Misa. When you've doubly done something wrong, number one, bizu, you walked in, via Rekanis, you walked into the Kodesh HaKodashim without all the ingredients. And number two, you performed the Haktara, you performed the Ktores without all the ingredients, two separate Isserim. But if that's true, then what's with the Chayv Misa? You should have two Chayv Misa. So he walks into the base and into the Kodesh HaKodashim with two different collections of Torahs. One is made perfectly, one is missing an ingredient. So, Abia walking into the Kodesh HaKodashim, you're not going to be Chayv, because even though one of the things that you brought in, one of your collections of Torahs was incomplete, but you brought in one that was made properly. So it's not that you can't bring in one that's chaser, it's that you can't enter without one that's full. So he was hazy, he knew that one of them was missing, but he but one of his uh, collections of Torahs was perfect. So there was no Isra, there was no Chiyuv Daraisa there. So therefore, this is how we come up with a scenario. This is the second approach. We saw the answer of Rav Sheshes that really the, the uh, entering into the room was a Shogig, the Haktara was amazing. Here we're saying they're both amazing, but it's only one, uh, one Chiyuv Misa, which is the Haktara of the Torah's Chaseira. So now we're going to analyze this a little bit more. We just spoke about the Ma'ale Asha. 
The malashan was this uh, special herb that helped the smoke of the Torahs go straight up, like a plume, straight up into the into the ceiling. We'll see some details about this later. Omar Mara, third of the way down in Gimel Amidala, five lines before the wide lines. Let's let's quote back a line that we saw a few lines ago. So this price, we said, it, it says Vikisa. So it says the Gemara, very unique language. This is, I think, the first time in Shas we've seen this. Take a look at Rashi. Rashi is about eight or 10 lines more, about 10, 12 lines above where we are. Rashi, we already have a Pasuk that talks about this, that it should be in a cloud. Now this price that says Vikisa, you have two Psukim saying the same exact thing. Six answers. Answer number one. Amar Rav Yosef Hachi Kamar. This is shot in the Brisa. I only know you're allowed to bring the leaf of the male ashan. Iker male ashan minai. How about the root? How about the stalks? Can I throw that in the fire? Does that work? Rikisa. Do we have two psukim? One pasuk was being matir the ale. The other pasuk is going to be matir the stalk the iker. Oh, that's answer number one. Answer number two, three lines before the wide lines in Gimel Amadalev. Omar le'abai no. It wasn't the leaf that was the obvious. It was the ikr, the root that was the obvious. The Brysa says, not like you, Rav Yosef. What does the Brysa say? The Brysa says, Tanya. Nothing but ikr ma'ale'ashan. Hayemetamer, when they put in the ikr, that was the ma'ale'ashan that we should put in, is the ikr, the root. And when they would do that, the fire, the smoke would go straight up like a staff until it would get to the ceiling of the Kodesh HaKodoshim. And once that smokestack, the straight up smokestack, like a stick, would get to the ceiling, it would spread out and then it would come down the walls. How can you say that the leaf was the obvious one? This Bryce says the leaf wasn't obvious. The ichor, the root was the obvious one. And therefore, answer number two is, This is shot in the Bryce. Why is it that we have two psukim? One pasuk is going to tell me the quote-unquote obvious, that the root should be used for the ma'le'ashan, to help the smoke go straight up in a stock, in a stack, excuse me. What about the leaves ma'le'ashan? I have no, that's allowed. Tamal Omar Vikisa. So we have two psukim, one, different versions of the same idea. Answer number three, three lines into the wide lines, halfway down, Rav Sheshas Omar. Ela, you guys are talking about, uh, you're too much into the weeds. Is it this type of uh, part of, uh, of the leaf, that part of the leaf? You guys are totally off base. So Rav Shesha takes us in a whole new direction. Rav Shesha says, why do we have two psukim? Because we're talking about two different types of sanctity. We're talking about the Mishkan, and we're also talking about Shiloh and the Beis HaMikdash. Let's see how the Gemara plays this out. Rav Chizda Amar, Eini Ela Ohel Moed Sheba Midbar. I only know that this Damala Ashan can be used in the Midbar. Shiloh u Beis We've seen the, the phrase Beis now twice in this Masechta. Beis Olamim is a reference to the Beis HaMikdash. We know that you're allowed to use Ma'ala Ashan in the Midbar. How about Shiloh and Beis Olamim? Tamalomar Vakisa. Oh, that's the use of the second Pasuk. It wasn't about the leaf or the stalk. Throw the whole thing in as far as Rav Sheshis is concerned. He just has to figure out how the two Pasukim are used. Uh, Pasuk number one is going to be used for the Mishkan. Pasuk number two is going to be for Shiloh and Beis Olamim. Uh, that's what he says. So it says the Gemara, um, hi, hold on one second. No, you can't learn that from Vakisa. We already know that Shiloh and Beis Olamim should include this. Hi, We already learned that out. So there's no reason to have an extra pasuk to include Shiloh and Beis Olamim. 
everything that happened in the Midbar should be happening over here in, the, in, in Shiloh and in the Beis Olamim. Ella, here's our fourth answer, says the Gemara. We're five lines into the white lines. Ella, hachi kamar, this is pshat. Ein li ella biyoma kipurim. I know that only on Yom Kippur can I use ma'ale ashan. Bishar yamos ashan aminayim, tamalomar v'kisa. So this answer is accepted. So far, answers two and four have been accepted. Answer number two was that the ikr is one pasuk and the aleh, the leaf, is another pasuk. And answer numbers one and three were rejected. Answer four that we just said is that uh, we know that the obvious is going to be Yom Kippur. How do we number Shari Mosashana Tamalama Rakisa? Good. Answer number five, six lines into the wide lines. Rabashi Yamar, Chad le mitzvah, Bechad le akes. Wow. So this is, a, a, this is rare. It's rare to have a mitzvah that you have to do and it's le'ikuva on something secondary. Very rare. So you have a mitzvah to put in the Mala Ashan and it's Le'ikuva. That's very strange, very unique scenario in halacha, very uncommon. So that's what the Gemara says here in the name of Ravashi. And that's our, our third genre of halacha. First is, was it the parts of the Ale Ashan? The second was location uh, in the Midbar and in Shiloh. The third answer, the third model answer we have is mitzvah and la'akev. And Rava takes us still further. Rav Amar chad onesh v'chad azhara. This is a very important idea in Shas. We're going to get into this in, in the Bavas and in other parts of Shas as well. Whenever the Torah has an Isr Daraisa, there's always the Isr Lav, and there's always an Azhara to warn you about that Isr Lav. Only then, if the Torah indicates an Azhara and the Onesh, that's when you can have an Onesh. Ditanya, this is a mistake in the Gemara, Ditanya, the, the Gersos and the newer Masechtas and the newer uh, Shas is correct. This, Ditanya, Velazar Omar, Velo Yamusu. What does it mean, Velo Yamusu? That Pasuk means that's the Onesh. What does it mean, Kibe Anane That's the Azhara. So to teach you that you're really doing something very wrong by not putting in, by not taking care of these things of making sure that it's not brought the right way. One is for the Onesh, one is for the Azhara. Yachval, and then a historical part. When were these Pesukim written? Were they written before Aaron's children were killed? Or were they written after? Yachol, Yushnei, both of these Pesukim, Amurim, Kodem, Misas, Bnei Aaron. Maybe both of these Pesukim were written before Bnei Aaron. That can't be. Tamal Omar, Acharei Mos, Shnei Bnei Aaron. That can't be that these two things were listed after their deaths. And maybe Yachol, Yushnei, Amurim, Achar, Misas, Shnei Bnei Aaron. Maybe they were both listed afterwards. Tamal Omar, no. Ki Be'anan, Eira'e, I will see in the future. Allah Kapores, they hadn't done the history yet. So the Gemara is very unclear. I mean, it's a question. So the Gemara's question is, when were these two Pesukim said? So it says the Gemara, HaKetzad, Azhara Kodem Misa. The Azhara, the warning for the Isra that they performed was before the, their Misa, before the, the sons died. The Onesh Achar Misa. So it says the Gemara, my Talmud, where do we learn this out from? What, where did you get this from? So it says the Gemara, it's Pashup Shat in the words. Amar Rava, Amar Kura, we're three-fourths of the way down, about 15 lines up. Amar Rava, Amar Kura, ki be'anane ra'eh. In the cloud, I will see. Ve'adayin lo nireh. Haven't seen yet. It's a future language. You're in the, you're in the past. You're, you're in the present saying, in the future, I will make it, I will uh, generate a cloud. So therefore we know that one thing was said before and one thing was said after. But if that's true, it generates a domino effect Shiloh, which is if the Azhara was before they died and the Onesh Pasuk was after they died, why were they killed? You're missing one of the fundamental features of the Onesh, which is the Azhara's lacking. You, that you, can't, you can't split them like that. Oh, uh, after they're killed. By the way, new Pasuk, that doesn't work, says the Gemara. my time They shouldn't have been killed. We need both features. Everyone needs to know exactly what's going on. Azhara followed by Onesh, says the Gemara. Kiditanya, don't think that they're uh, getting killed for what you think they're getting killed. This is a very important b'risa. The b'risa writes, Rabbi Lazar Omer, lo Aaron Moshe They didn't do anything wrong in mechanics. They did everything right, but they were and that's Aser, my Darish. Where do we learn this from? 
says, That's what the Torah says, that the Bnei Aaron should put fire on the Mizbeach. And what was the drusha of the children of Aaron? And the Mephorshim write, they were correct. But they didn't ask Rishos for Moshe Rabbein, and they were killed for it. Unbelievable sensitivity, a dakos in halacha, that they should, should have asked Moshe Rabbeinu, and they did not. That brings us to the two dots, 12 lines from the bottom of the page. We had said in our Mishnah, so we said that after, in our previous mission, we detailed, remember the picture we saw last night, how they walked uh, on, around the first parochas, uh, around the second one, and then he stood by the Aron. And then we said that he backed out the same way. What I didn't say last night is he walked backwards, which is exactly what happens. It says the Gemara, how do we know that they actually walked backwards? Where do we see a precedent for this in halacha? We're going to get into a very halachic Gemara about leaving the presence of a rav leaving the presence of a rub, leaving the presence of the Shechina, the Chule. You know, and immediately says the Gemara, how do we know that he should walk backwards? Amar of Shmuel, Bar Nachmeni, Amar of Yochanan, Amar Kra. He went to the Bama in Givon. Before the Mikdash was built, there was a time that we were allowed to bring Korbanos on a Bama. Not allowed now, not allowed for most of our history, but there were times that we could bring uh, a Korban on a Bama. But says the Gemara, Why did the Pasuk add in the word Yerushalayim? They're not near each other. They're totally different cities. So the Gemara is going to compare the exit from Gibbon after the Korban to Yerushalayim to the way that they entered from Yerushalayim to Gibbon. What's the comparison? The comparison is when they were going toward Gibbon, obviously you were facing the Bama. That was appropriate. That was the Malcolm Kandosh. That's what you were trying to do. So what's the back end of this? Ah, therefore, just like when you went to Givon to bring a Korban on the Bama, so too says the Gemara, he would walk backwards. They walked backwards away from Gibbon to make sure that they were still facing forward to the Bama. That was considered a way that was respectful. Therefore, in our Mishnah that we previously learned, why did the Kohen Gadol walk backwards? Dvarm Pshutim. If by the Bama you had to walk backwards when you left Givon from bringing a Korban, if, if you're going to do it there, Allah has Kama Vekama PLF it's the base of Mikdash Mamish. Especially based on Mikdash Rishon, where there was an Aron standing right there, the Shechina was Shorah Ben Akruvim. Of course, you should walk backwards. Obviously, that's true. So says the Gemara, that's the Drasha. And then the Gemara adds in a couple of, of very important phrases. And in all cases, they would keep their face facing that which was their avoda, and then they would walk back. We do this, you see sometimes people do this after when they walk out of the base of Medrash, that's appropriate behavior as well. Um, though interestingly, this Gemara is going to detail a lot of things. It doesn't seem to say that, although the base of Medrash is a Mikdash Ma'at, so maybe we should assume that that's the case, but the Gemara is not explicit here. What is explicit? Let's say you go and ask a Shaila from, from a Rav, to walk away backwards. How far? Let's see what the scope of this is in the Gemara. Five lines from the bottom. Rebbe Lazar, when he would leave Rebbe Yochanan, let's see what the details are. When Rebbe Yochanan, who was the Rebbe, would leave, Rebbe Lazar would bow, and he would keep that bowing position in his place, to the point that he could be, that Rav Yochanan was literally covered. It just means until he couldn't see him anymore. So he would walk this way backwards, just kind of keep his head down while his Rebbe would leave the room until he couldn't see him anymore. 
and Vikat Havaboy Rebbe Lazar Liskuye, and when Rebbe Lazar, the Talmud, was leaving his Rebbe, he would walk backwards until he couldn't see his Rebbe anymore. Rava, another story, Rava is a couple of generations later in the Amorim, Rabbi Yochanan was pretty early, first, second generation, and Rava was a fourth generation of Ora. Rav, kind of a myth, I mean, Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef was a third generation. Remember that Rav Yosef was blind, important part of the story. Rav Yosef was blind, as we know. So when Rava, who was a fourth century Amor, would leave his Rebbe, he would walk backwards, he would walk backwards and he would keep tripping on thresholds throughout the house until there was Dhamma, until there was literally his feet were bleeding. He was walking backwards in Kavu to show, Yosef was blind, he didn't even know. That's, a, that, that's how far he went. So it says in the Gemara, top of him, Gimel Amit Beis, Rav Yosef, Rava. This is how amazing Rav, look at the Kavod Rabban and the Kavod Torah that Rava has. When Rav Yosef heard this, you already said, what he said came true. Amar Leh, Rava, Kodesh Baruch, it should be your will. Ditarum Reishcha Akula Kracha. Your head should be raised above the whole city, namely, you should become the Rosh Yeshiva. If you have such a Kavod Torah, not for Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef was fine. He didn't need the respect of Rava. But the Kavod Torah of Rava was so Gishmak. So he gave him this Bracha V'Kachava. Oh, famous halachic gemara, that after we finish davening, we're supposed to take three steps back, and we'll see more details. I'll, I'll just, I'll show the details as we go along. We take three steps back, and only that do we do the shalom. I'm going to start the wrong direction to the right, which we know is not the case. We do it to the left. We're going to see the iterations of this in the Gemara. So first, you take your three steps back. Unlike people who sometimes do this, as they're walking, incorrect. Not what the Gemara says. We do that when we're in a rush. I do that when I'm in a rush. It's not right. It's against this Gemara. First, so we know, of course, that we don't rush away afterwards. We're supposed to stay there. We, we go backwards. We say, oh, we stand in place at least for the, right? We should stay there for at least the amount of time it takes to walk uh, six feet, a few seconds, a minute, just to sit. And then the Gemara gives a very strange muscle for this. It says the Gemara, five, six lines down, muscle, the Talmud, aniftar my rabbo. When a Talmud uh, backs away from his Rebbe, if he comes right back in, just rushing back in, it's not covered. He said, It's like a dog who, who throws up, backs up a little bit, and comes back to the throne. A little bit of a strong muscle. What, what exactly is going on with the muscle? Okay, fine, whatever it is, it's, a, it's not a good idea. And Tanya and Amihaki, the Bryce, just to force this first of the middle width lines of a very long page. The Bryce supports what we saw in the name of Rav, 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 Rav Alexandri. Take three steps back. Check this out. You're better off not davening. That's not a halachic gemara. It's not halachic, it's a hashkafa gemara. You need to make sure that you are going to be niftar lifnei hamelech properly. And if you're going to walk away rushing out, this is not, it's not a gishmak tefillah. That means you're rushing. That means that, that that's not the right tone that you're trying to create. If you're having a really important conversation, it's not nice to be niftar without an appropriate departure. He says that you should be no saint shalom, that when we say, that's no saint shalom, it should be first to the right and then to the left. From the Pasuk that we read, and Bezos Habracha, we've read it all hundreds of times. 
And then the Brisa adds in the Omer, uh, we should our brain should be primed already. My the Omer. So it says another Pasik as well. Yipal mitzidcha elef. From your side, you will you pull me sidcha elef or vava miminecha and and ten thousand on your right hand. My the Omer. Why does the Brisa quote two psukim for the same idea about the right hand being more chashiv? Says the Gemara. If you would have thought it's just orcha the ara, no, it's just it's polite. You know, you're supposed to. I just uh, we were just at a restaurant uh, this uh, yesterday, mamish. I was at a restaurant yesterday, and the uh, the waiter brought drinks to the table, and he said, "Which one is for is for the lady? Which one is for is for your wife?" So I said that one. It was an inconvenient reach. You had to reach around one drink. That's appropriate behavior. It's orach ara. It's nice. It's nice. It's the right behavior. But this is bigger than just being nice, because says the Gemara, It's just nice to do it that way. No, it's it's much more effective to do it that way. It's ten times more powerful. Elef in one hand and a revava in the other. The right hand is way more powerful. Rava, and this is where we get into a halachic piece, because the way the Gemara was phrased so far is that it seems that we should bow to the right first. That's where our Nesina Shalom should be, to the right first. So it says the Gemara, Rava Chazi Abaye. Rava was in the same base medrash as Abaye, and uh, he saw the Yahib Shalama Liyamina Beresha. He saw that he gave Shalom, that he said, Osa Shalom in Roma after his three steps back. So here's what he saw Abaye do three steps back, one, two, three, and then Abaye went to the right. So right away, Rava says, what are you talking about? When he said it was the right for Nesila, he wasn't talking about your right. It's not about you, the person dominating. No. The small didach. I mean, your left, to have a yamino shalakotish baruchu. And that's taka what we do. And here's halakhically what we do. Three steps back. And once we're three steps back, we lean to the left. And then all the way to the right. And then, Remain head down the whole time. You're bowing during all three, and then you can put your head all the way up. Kaddish too, same exact idea. But then says the Gemara, one other piece here that we did not yet see. But Abai and Rava had the same thing. That when they took their three steps back, they were Bikriya. So I've been giving the examples as the Gemara listed them. I was standing up straight. Not correct. So when we're done with our Shmon we lower our head, we take three steps back, one, two, three, and then to the left, Kodesh Baruch Hu is right, head down, to the right, and then the middle, and then you, then you can uh, pick your head up. And that is the appropriate quarter in Shulchan Aruch this way, very halacha lemaisa and very important Gemara. And don't lose out on the hashkafa. It might not even be Gedai to Daven without having done this because it shows a kavod. It shows that you're doing something of tremendous importance. If you're niftar b'kavod, when you leave a Kaddish Baruch Hu's presence, you're in a private conversation with a Kaddish Baruch Hu, so that's a sign of a relationship. It's a sign of being respectful. We're about a quarter of the way down at the two dots. We saw in the Mishnah, we saw in our Mishnah that when the Kohen Gadol finishes what he's doing, he goes out of the Kodesh HaKadosh and back into the Heichal. And in that space, he has a tefillah, but it's a tefillah ktsara. My matzali, what is his tefillah? Says the Gemara, Rav Baravada Ravin Bar Rav Ada Tarvai Mishmed Rav. Both of them sang in the name of Rav. They said, Amri, what is it? They they all said, what is his prayer? It should be a year of rain and a year of heat. So the Gemara flips this to Shechuna Ugshuma, but it's the same content. Uh, the Meforshim, I should say, say that. And then says the Gemara, Shchuna, when it's boiling hot out, Ma'al Yusahi, that's such a Gewaldic thing. Very hot means very dry. It absorbs all the water and then it's not good for the crops. Says the Gemara, Ela'ema, really what it means is, Im Shchuna, if it's a year that's very moist, then, sorry, if it's a year that's very hot, excuse me, then Tehei Gshuma. This is why the Gemara one lineup flipped the language around. 
because it plays nicer with the Shkuna Gshuma. That's exactly how, uh, how he explained it. So that's what, what one part of his prayer. We should not lose the leaders of Beis Yehuda, namely the Reish Galusa, those who were kind of the governmental leaders, the people who were liaising between the Jewish community and the world around us. So that person should keep their post. Jews should not need to be supported by one another. And you should not allow the prayers of travelers to pierce the armor and to be heard by you. Why? Look at Rashi. Rashi says um, about three inches above where we are, a third of the way down in the Rashi's Dibur Hamaskal over Edrachim. Because they were traveling, they didn't want to get wet. The coin Gadol on Yom Kippur in the Heichal was davening, please don't let the travelers, you know, like you're getting on a plane, you're like, please don't let it rain. It's not about you. It's about the crops. It was an agricultural world that we lived in. And you're davening as a regular Joe. But that regular Joe Tfil is very powerful. The coin Gadol was davening in the Heichal to say, you can't do that. It's not a good Tfil. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Chanina ben When he would travel, says the Gemara, Shada Mitra Ale, it started raining on him. Omar, Rabbi Chanina ben So we know miracles were done for Rabbi ben Dosa. He turned vinegar into oil. He was a, as a, he was a next level Jew. He's on a whole new plane from what we're used to. Omar, he said to Gadosh Baruch Shalom, Kol Olam Kulo Benachas. Everyone's sitting there just fine in the rain. Chanina I'm uncomfortable. What happened? Gadosh Baruch said, Okay, Pasak Mitra. Sure, it was a switch. Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa's were so powerful and so piercing. It was just a switch and everything turned off, done. Then Kiyasa the basin, when he got to his house, then he's like, Omri Bonshalolam, Kolam Kulabitsar. You turned off the rain because I asked you to, but everyone else needs the rain. The Gemara said that before Shem said he didn't have any fields. All of a sudden, the switch turned on. Asimitra started raining. Omar of Yosef, my Ahanya lays Salusay the coin Gadol, the Gabriel Hanina ben Dosa. I don't care who the coin Gadol is. You're not, your davening is not going to undo the tears of Hanina ben Dosa. But nevertheless, according to some, this was the prayer that he said. Tanarabana, there was a story that actually took place where this rule was broken. Halfway down, Nun Gimel Amad is going to uh, three lines to the bottom of the page. Tanarabana, the Gemara says in Abraisa, so he broke the Mishnah's rule. The Mishnah said, daven fast. Here we daven lengthy. Then they appointed a couple of Kohanim to go in and find out if he was still alive. And as they were walking in, then the Kohen Gadol started walking up. Um, they said to him, You got us all concerned. Why were you dominating so long? Amar um, he says rhetorically, What do you want from me? I'm dominating that you should have kapara. I'm dominating that Mikta should be standing. What are you complaining about? Don't do that. You terrified us. Our Mishnah says, You're making us frightened. Please don't. We all thought you died and lost all of our kapara. You're worried about one tefillah. Your Torah is much more important to us than your one tefillah. We want you to daven for us, but keep it katsar. Keep it short. Beautiful. Two-thirds of it down, new Mishnah. From the time that the Aaron was removed between the first and second base of Mikdash, as we learned, this language is different. We saw Mishinignaz. The Gemara is going to pick up on that language. We saw Yoshiahu was Nignaz. He was Gones, the, the Aaron. We'll see here that there's a diuk from this language in the Gemara. Even, so once the Aaron was moved, underneath the Aaron was Evan Harishon. We know that there was a stone there. In the name of it was the Shetiah, the Evan Shetiah, as we know. The, the Aaron was put on top of this 
protruding rock and it protruded approximately three etzbos, not that much, an inch and a half, whatever it is, it's, not a, it's two inches, nothing. It's a very small amount. Fine. That's part one of the Mishnah. Part two. Natal etzadam mimisho We mentioned earlier in the Mishnah that there was someone who was holding the blood of the par and he was stirring it so that the blood would not congeal. Blood congeals rather quickly. Famous, these words were made famous by Ishai Riva in one of his songs, in case you're familiar. So I, when I was reading this Gemara, I instantly started singing when I <laughs> on the airplane all by myself. Namely, he went back into the Kodesh HaKodesh in the same pattern, below the outside paroches, above the inside paroches, back to where he did the Ktores. And then what did he do? Um, and then this is going to ring a bell from davening on Yom Kippur. One sprinkle up and then seven below. We'll see in the Gemara what exactly this means. Rashi is going to give us a little bit of an insight. It wasn't like throwing one as high as he could and the rest as low as he could. It was kimatzav. What does kimatzav mean? Rashi Rashi's a little bit more than halfway down in the Rashi's Dibur Hamaschil El Kimatzav. Rashi says, Bishura Zu Tachazu. It was in a line. It was in a line, in a vertical line. The word is unique, but he was saying it was you threw one and then you throw each one a little bit lower than the other. That's what it means. We'll see this in the Gemara, not today, but in your Hashem in the coming days. Right? We're familiar with all the language. So after he sprinkled the blood of the par, then Yatza, he left. He left the. Um, the jar, the whatever, the jug of the blood of the par on a particular golden table. Then, they brought in the Sir Lashem. Remember the Sir Lashem? We spoke about this a couple of weeks ago already, 10 days ago, whenever it was. Then, he collected the blood, the Kabbalah Saddam for this animal. He collected for the Sir in a jar. And then, then he brings it all the way back into the Kodesh HaKodesh, exactly the same exact place where he did the Ktores and where he's already done the sprinkling for the par. Then, he did the same exact sprinkling. The Gemara starts to shorthand itself. And then, then he says, he went out of the Kodesh HaKadoshim into the Heichal, and there was a second golden table there. So we have one golden table that has the blood of the par. And this new second golden table, now it's going to have the blood of the Seir. Says the Gemara, nope, there were not two tables, there was only one. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, How many golden tables there were in the Heichal for him to put the blood down? Anyways, next. Natal dam ha-par, dam ha-sa'ir. Then he would sprinkle it on the paroches. Same count. He wasn't trying to get it on the paroches as much as it wanted to do that vertical line of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Very good. The Kachayamona, the Chule, the Mishnah doesn't even detail it anymore. We're on the first of the very long lines from Gimel Amad Beis, and the Mishnah continues. Then he would pick up the Seir, and he would, uh, yeah, he would pick up the blood of the Seir, and he would put down the blood of the Par. He would do the same sprinkling on the Paroches that he did with the Dama Par. Now, what have we done so far? Here's what's happened so far within the Kodesh or right near the Kodesh. The Ktores. The dam of the par inside the Kodesh, the dam of the Seir inside the Kodesh, and then the dam of the par on the paroches, and then the dam of the Seir on the paroches. All of this in rapid form, one happening right after the other, super, super quick. All of this was happening so quickly. Then, two lines into the very, very wide lines, Ira dam hapar dam Then he would pour the blood of the par into the container that had the blood of the Seir, and he would stack the jugs. 
because he emptied out the par one into the seir one. Now it's empty. Put the one with the blood in it, with both bloods in it, and he would stack the two together. End of the Mishnah. Says the Gemara, a diuk, loktani, el Now we learned about this already, that there's a machlokas in the Gemara. There's a machlokas in the Tanaim. What happened to the Aram? Was it transported to Bavel? Or was it buried somewhere in the area of the Mikdash? What was the first word of our Mishnah? Just scan right back up. From the time the Aaron was taken. Says the Gemara, It doesn't say that it was buried. Just that it was taken. This is This is like the Shita that says that the Aaron was, uh, was, uh, was uh, taken out of Yerushalayim and brought to Bavel. The time that the Brayser writes five lines from the bottom. Rabbi Eliezer Omer Aron Galal Lebavel Shenemar Ulechuvas Hashanah Shalach Hamelch Nevuchadnezer Ravi Eu Bavela Im Kli Chemdas Beis Hashem. He took the grandest of all of the things from Beis Hashem. The Aron. What could be more chashev than the Aron? And he took that and he brought it there. Next sheet in the Brayser. Rabbi Shimon Ben Yochai agrees. He says Omer Aron Galal Lebavel based on another pasuk Shenemar Lo Yivaser Davar Amar Hashem. It's not Davar. Is it Davar? Should be there. No. Let's see what it says. Yes, it is. And they make a deep in the word, the word davar, elu aseres hadibros shebo. Where were the aseres hadibros kept? We saw this already once. The Gemara and Baba Kama details all the math in order to ensure pi. Tosfos uh, there in Baba Kama indicates what pi is because the Torah scroll was written on one, uh, on one Eitzchayim, and they figured out because they knew what the, whatever they figured out because of the diameter, they figured out what the circumference was. Tosfos, there are details, all of that. We'll get there in, I don't even know how many years. That's what the Gemara says, is that uh, that's the Aserah Sadibros. So whatever, the, either way, the Aserah Sadibros were part of the Aron, and that was taken. But Rabbi Yehuda, he disagrees. Omer, Aron ben Makomo Nignas. That, that was a sheet that we saw yesterday. That was a sheet that we saw, the Yoshiyahu buried the um, Yeshayahu, Yeshayahu, Yeshayahu buried the, uh, the uh, Aron. Shenemar vayiru roshe habadim in hakodesh. You were able to actually see the ends of the badim al pnei hadavir by the separation of the wall. Vayiru hachutzar couldn't be seen on the outside. Leihu shamad ayom hazeh, and it is still there today. And that machlokas remains. There are full documentaries on this. Uh, there are those who say, I presume not correct. There are those who say that the aron is actually stored in a temple in Ethiopia. And they have this place that no one will go into. It is protected 24-7. And they hold, they have a lot of minhagim that look similar to what we do as Orthodox Jews, not identical. There actually are crosses in a lot of their uh, uh, temples. But they have a lot of things. It's kind of like a crossbreed a little bit. So I doubt that it's there based on this Gemara. It's either in Barbell or it is in uh, buried under under the tunnel system in our Mikdash. We're going to stop right here at Ufliga. Mir Shashem will pick up on Shabbos one hour before Mincha. Um, and uh, wishing you all a beautiful night. Both right. you. Right. Thank you.